4th of July this year, the Olympic Games will return to Tokyo. And uh, should she be successful in finding her place on uh, Great Britain's team, this young woman uh, will be the youngest Olympian there. And this year, in an effort to make the Olympics younger and hipper and more urban, they're introducing a new sport actually several new sports, but skateboarding is now an Olympic sport as of this year. So Sky Brown will be 12 years old and will possibly medal at the Olympics. She'll be the youngest of almost 12,000 participants from 206 nations competing in 339 events across 50 disciplines in Tokyo. But the thing I was interested in is, in a recent McLean's article about skateboarding and the Olympics, they were interviewing skateboarders, and skateboarders are notorious for saying things like, skateboarding is everything a traditional Olympic sport is not. Skateboarders often themselves call it a culture or a lifestyle as opposed to an event. Skateboarding is more like a lifestyle than it is an event. And here at Jericho Ridge, over the course of the month of January, we've been exploring our five core values. Now, you have to make a quick switch in your head now from summer to winter, so pardon the metaphorical whiplash, but we are using a, a winter analogy a ski hill to help us understand our five core values here at Jericho Ridge. And the reason we're doing this is that uh, we're talking about what it means to follow Jesus in our everyday lives, and uh, that is the language of discipleship. And so uh, the series this January is called Follow Me, meaning follow Jesus, a adventure of discipleship. And as we look at discipleship, Really, what we're talking about isn't an event. We're talking about a lifestyle. We're talking about what does it mean in the rhythms of our everyday life to actually follow Jesus. It's not just about how we think. It's about how we act. It's about who we are becoming, how we are becoming those people. It's about a culture of learning and growth in our own lives and then in our community as well as a community of faith, and it's about our ability. We've talked about uh, practicing vulnerability and being willing to take risks and be open to allowing God to change us in that process. So today, we're coming to one of our values, our fourth core value, where we actually use the word lifestyle in it. Generous lifestyle. And we introduce this word in concert with the word generosity because generosity is a lifestyle, not an event, just like skateboarding is a lifestyle, not an event. And when we talk about generous lifestyle at Jericho, what we mean is that we are invited to be radical stewards of what God has given to us. And so the key word there is the word stewardship or being a steward. And that means that we take the posture that God owns everything that we have 
and everything that we are, and that we are managers of that. We are stewards of everything that we have as individuals, as families, and here in our church context. And so here's a longer text of that value, what we mean when we talk about generous living or generous lifestyle. We say we commit to live as faithful stewards, willing to cheerfully share what we have with others. We listen to, we depend on God in every circumstance with a humble spirit of gratitude. And generosity touches all of the aspects of our lives, our friendship, our service, our time, our gifts, our abilities, and our material resources. So generosity is all-encompassing. It's a lifestyle, not an event. And today we want to explore together what does it look like to live out this kind of radical generosity as a lifestyle. So sometimes when we think about generosity, we think about it either exclusively in terms of money or we think about it in terms of a moment. Well, I was generous at that moment in time. And obviously, generosity needs to find an expression. But if we move towards a more holistic view of what the Scripture teaches about generosity, we come to see that really generosity is a response that we have to God's character and God's invitation to us. So we're going to look at two different kinds of generosity today. The first kind is multi-directional generosity, so generosity that flows in multiple directions. And then the second kind is multimodal, or different kinds or means of generosity. So we're going to start with the first one, multi-directional generosity. And here again, we're back where we've been with almost every one of our core values, and that is we rooted in the character of God. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves is, what kind of a God uh, do we worship? And the songs that we talked about, I give you everything that I want to worship you. What does that mean and look like? And if we want to understand generosity, the first thing we have to understand is that generosity is something of God's character. Generosity flows from God to us as individuals. We only know what generosity is and can look like because God was so generous to us. Let's look at just a few examples where we see generosity linked to God's character in the Scriptures. So in chapter 1 of James, James is saying, if you want wisdom, if you are facing a difficult circumstance in your life and you need God's wisdom, ask, and God who is generous will give it. Ask our generous God. It's part of who God is. And then in, uh, later on in the book of James, God gives grace generously. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, God richly gives us everything we need. In Ephesians chapter 1, God, who is so rich, so generous in kindness and in grace. Generosity is part of God's character. God is generous, just like God is love. And I don't know what kind of 
a mental image you grew up with in your head or one that you might even carry now about what God is like. For me, I grew up with an image of God being fairly distant, maybe like an uncle that was way off somewhere up in the sky. And also the other picture, and I don't know where I got this from, was that God was somehow reluctant. That God was sort of arms crossed at a distance. And if, if, if you were asking for something, prayer was like having to pry something out of God's reluctant hands. But that is not the picture of God that emerges for us in the Bible. In the scriptures, God emerges as a God who is generous. That God is not reluctant or somehow needs to be things pried out or away from God. And this led me to have for a long time a very warped or tainted view of prayer, of what God was like. Because the scripture reveals that generosity is part of who God is. It's part of God's character. One of the most well-loved and often quoted verses in the Bible reminds us of this. John chapter 3, verse 16. God so loved that he gave. God's love motivated and compelled God to be generous, to give. God is a giving and generous God. And see, God doesn't just give up things that are incidental or surplus that he happens to have lying around. In this verse, we're reminded of the fact that God gives the most important and most personal things. God actually gave himself. God gave the most costly and personal gift that can be given. Jesus willingly and generously gave his life as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world. And in doing that, Jesus, in his generosity, broke the power of sin and death and was raised to life again on the third day. And Jesus right now is generously interceding at the right hand of the Father for you on your behalf. God is so generous and so kind and so loving. That is just a small taste of God's generous love poured out. And friends, if you have never responded to that love, if somehow in your mind you have had this concept of God being distant or far away from you, unwilling to interact with you in some way, today might be the day when you start to release and let that release its grip on you. Or maybe for you today, you start a new journey with God and you say, you know what, I've never actually understood that that's the type of God that is inviting me into relationship with God. And maybe for you today, you say, you know what, I want to respond to that. I want to say yes to that. I want to receive that incredible love that's being poured out into the world and into my life. God desires to demonstrate God's generosity to you in that way today. And so that's one of the reasons why every weekend when we gather, we have people at the back that are ready to pray with and respond to you. 
If you have a need, they want to generously stand with you in that. If you have a question about faith and you want to take a step in that journey and actually say yes to God, then they would be delighted to do that with you to help you respond to the sacrificial love that God is giving. We would count it a privilege to do that. And that response, our response to step into places of generosity is simply a reflection or an acknowledgement of God's generosity poured out in the world and into our lives. And so the first direction that generosity comes is from God to us. And then the next direction of multi-directional generosity is that generosity is to flow from us to God. In worship, in sacrificial giving, there's all kinds of ways. Some of them are very personal, like prayer, where we voice to God our, our gratitude for God's incredible generosity. But remember, generosity is a lifestyle. It's not an event, not a singular moment. And so we respond by, uh, to God's wonderful generosity by then living in such a way that we are people who are marked by that same kind of generosity. We participate then in God's generous work in the world as we reflect that generosity that we have received. And there's a couple of ways and places in which we do this, that we step into this place that God invites us to. And one of the places where our generosity gets directed back to God is in the work and ministry of a local church the expression of God's family and God's heart. So, for example, when we gather in worship, corporately, in song, it's providing us an opportunity to express the gladness and the generosity that's in our hearts to God. We're saying, God, I thank you. I'm, I'm responding. I'm sending generosity back to you. I'm responding with warm gratitude in my heart. And I'm thankful for all those uh, who are here at Jericho who spend their time every week getting ready. They prayerfully invest in thinking about the song choices and selections that we're going to sing. They spend time rehearsing individually, and then they get together on Friday nights here. And especially during the construction, they've had to put up with all kinds of tarps over top of everything, and they come in, they take all those out, set everything up, and they, they work and invest generously of their time so that when we gather corporately, we can be generous and reflect out what is in our hearts to God. So worship provides us a, a collective opportunity to say thank you to God. Then I think about uh, in the Old Testament when uh, the people of Israel had left Egypt and they were looking for a place to worship while they were in the desert. And God gave them specific instructions about the tabernacle. And one of the first things that is instructed is saying, if you're going to contribute, they're invited to bring things that they have from their own resources to contribute toward the generous building of the tabernacle. And uh, they bring everything from gold and silver and precious linens and their own earrings that they uh, want to get melted down and made into things for the furniture in the temple. And in Exodus 35, verse 4, it just says, God put it in their hearts to be generous. Those with generous hearts brought gifts to the Lord. 
And so we've experienced that here at Jericho as we have worked toward a project of generosity and our building project. And I'm so grateful to have those people who over the course of the last number of years have again generously been investing their time to try and there's been a whole team of people working for years, the last three years, to find and locate a space for us to gather in. And then there's a group that meets every month that manages the building, works with the construction team, makes sure things are on track because they're generously giving of the time and the resources God's given to them of leadership and management to be able to do those. And many of you have given sacrificially towards uh, the capital campaign and continue to do that. And we're so grateful for that because it's provided an opportunity for us then uh, to be generous with our facility. And we're going to talk about that uh, in a few minutes. And then the other aspect of generosity towards God, when we look in 1 Timothy 5, we see that uh, as the church gathered, one of the things that they did was as they collected resources, it allowed for people to be resourced with the skills and talents that they had so that they could be freed up to do the work that God had invited and called them to do in the world. And so just as an example of that, you were part of having that conversation that Pastor Wally had this last week with this young girl um, because you've contributed towards the salaries of those people and freed up his time to be able to be in the right place where God's called him to in the right gift set so that he can do the things that God has put in his heart to do. And so in 1 Timothy 5, 7, one of the expressions of generosity is elders or pastors who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. And so generosity toward God, towards God's family, towards God's house, allows us then to be able to generously provide what's needed, whether it's preaching, teaching, counseling, support, whatever it is. Uh, And so our response to God's generosity is then to step into that collectively as a group together. And we're privileged uh, to see that happening in many, many ways. But generosity is not just a financial issue. We see this even more clearly in the third direction that our generosity is supposed to flow in. First from God to us, then from us to God. And then also one of the most common expressions around generosity in the scriptures is from us toward people who are poor. One of the most consistent teachings in the scripture is God's incredible heart of generosity for those who are under-resourced and who are on the margins. And then God's consistent invitation for those who say that they are a disciple of Jesus and being generous toward those who are poor. Generosity toward those who are on the margins, generosity to people who are poor is non-optional if you say you're a disciple of Jesus. Over and over and over again, in the scriptures.